Don't want to follow back on social media though, do you, Julie? <laughs> the only yeah. person I know who would do that on camera, Dan Bardell. He gets very strong ratings from us, despite the fact that he's got no end product whatsoever. So he needs to work on that, and a season in the championship might actually help. Sort of, sometimes players just need a bit of confidence. It wouldn't make a smart sign like that, Julian. <laughs> Unless I was a sporting director, which I'm not. Unless you were, yeah. I, I'm astonished at how how quickly he he's developed. Sensational. He's um, there's just no weakness to his game now. I really wanted to get him in my fantasy football team, and I just I bottled putting him in for Salah. Captain. And then Oh, one of my mates in my oh, league no triple way. captained him. Yeah, I had the same. 90 oh, points. Man. 90 points. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Who Scored's very own Martin Lawrence, and he's back again. Julian Laurens is here. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, you're loving it, aren't you? On all the uh, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A regular. Apparently the numbers are going massively up when I'm on, so yeah. you know I'm, I, it's no surprise you keep booking me. I've heard I've heard the same. You you enjoying doing the pack, podcast, Julia? <laughs> I love it. It's great. I think yeah. the content is wonderful. I can tell you that Premier League players even watched us. So it's I know. Yeah. Do you think I'm doing a good job as host, Julian, as well? Very. <laughs> Look at that. Very good. Very, very good. This is I'm what he was like with Jonathan when he no, started no, no, no. as well. No, no, no. This is exactly a, what he was like. Oh, Jonathan, there's, a ne- there's a negative. There's a negative coming. There's a negative coming. <laughs> you don't you don't want to follow back on social media though, do you, Julian? <laughs> Are you even on social media? I didn't didn't know. I'm going to look now. I've been tagging you in things. No likes, no retweets, no follow back. I was like, I was like, I felt like we were getting on really well. He doesn't want to, doesn't want to know. The only person I know who would do that on camera, Dan Bardell. I will do that. (laughs) I look forward to it. I look forward to the notification popping through. Martin, we're going to start with the team of midweek. Please let us know what it is. Yeah, so we we touched on him uh, last time actually, and you mentioned that he was in good form, and the and the goalkeeper in the team is Hugo Lloris. Obviously, probably not as busy as he would have expected to be under the circumstances no. last night, but he did make four saves, uh, kept a clean sheet. It was fourteenth clean sheet of the season, which is quite significant. His record for a Premier League season is fifteen, which he's done twice. They've obviously got two games left against Burnley and Norwich as well, so he's got a, got a decent chance to break his own sort of Premier League uh, clean sheet record. Um, the right back is Reese James, who got his seventh assist of the season against Leeds. Also completed five dribbles, 95% of his passes. We'll probably touch on him a little bit later in the show. Joel Matip is one of the centre-backs. Actually thought he had a bit of a tough time against Ollie Watkins, who, who tends to perform against Liverpool. Um, but he obviously got his goal and did his customary dribble out from the back and uh, set up a, a decent chance. He's probably the best centre-back in the league at that. Uh, the other centre-back is Trevor Chalobah who came back into the team maybe about time, uh, given Chelsea's centre-back situation. It has been quite curious that Tuchel hasn't played him more in recent weeks, given that all the all the centre-backs are leaving. Uh, he completed all four of his tackles uh, in that win over Leeds. Uh, the left-back is James Justin. Just a solid all-round game for him against Norwich. Two tackles, two key passes, two dribbles. The right winger again uh, for the second week running is Raheem Sterling. Uh, he got a goal and assist in the win over Wolves. So too did Mason Mount, who takes a place in midfield. He's now one of only three players this season with double figures for goals and assists alongside Salah and Jared Bowen. Uh, he's had a direct hand in 21 goals this season, which is up from 11 last season. It's quite a massive leap from him. Uh 
perhaps no surprise, he's joined by Kevin De Bruyne in midfield. A pathetic four goals in midweek for him. Earned himself a perfect 10 rating from who scored. Uh, he's now got 15 goals this season, which is more than twice as many assists as he's got. Uh, touch on him later um, and his role this season, how that might change next season with Haaland arriving. Uh, the left midfielder is Harvey Barnes, who got both assists for Jamie Vardy's brace, who also takes a spot in the team. Uh, it was his first start in over two months, scored twice, had seven shots. Quite a lot going on in his home life, so to put in a performance like that... Um, pretty decent and then he's joined up front by Harry Kane who just took took away Romelu Lukaku's chance at two at back-to-back uh, team of the weeks Kane obviously with a brace had nine shots which is more than Arsenal had in total with their 10 men they had eight on the subject of Wagatha Christa absolutely <laughs> loving the fact that proper sports journalists are having to go to the trial and cover it <laughs> really enjoying seeing some of the tweets from that career highlight for some of them I'm sure Let's look ahead to the weekend's games, and then we're going to start with Tottenham against Burnley. And Martin, you want to talk wing-backs, don't you? I do. Uh, we've, we've talked about uh, Emerson Royale a fair amount on the show. Podcast, even podcast favourite. Yeah, even Gilmore. in recent weeks. He's taken over Billy Gilmore, hasn't he, really? Yeah. Um, he's been lost. A friend of the show, Billy Gilmore, who's been gone by the wayside. But, yeah, uh, Emerson Royale and, and probably Ryan Sessegnon are their two sort of first-choice like by default with Matt Doherty being out. He had obviously picked up in form, but I still think Conte will probably be looking at wingbacks on both sides this summer. Uh, there's a decent decent chance Reguillon could return to Spain. He hasn't really hit the, hit the heights that many expected, has had injury problems. But yeah, we thought we'd look at uh, try and look at a, a few wingbacks that, that could take Tottenham's fancy. And I, my, my starting point was always is always going to be our who scored ratings. Uh, so I looked at the top-rated wing-backs this season from performances at wing-back alone, and it turned out to be a pretty good starting point because I could just finish there. Like, there are some decent names on the like decent names on this. The top of the list is Reese James, who obviously they have no chance. Second on the list is uh, David Raum of Hoffenheim, who's just got his first cap for Germany, left wing-back, uh, three goals and eleven assists this season. They they do produce some wing uh, left wing-backs Germany who who tend to be pretty productive he's actually sort of looking to overtake Robin Gerson's in that in that spot for the national team he's only 24 I believe he's out of contract next summer as well so there'll be a lot of interest in him wouldn't be surprised if Bayern are, are sniffing around or Dortmund um, the third I think you'll like this one Jonathan uh, Julian is Jonathan Klaus of Lons yeah. obviously on the right side this time he's got 10 assists four goals uh, really, really interesting story. Obviously, he's just been called up for France in the last national team camp. He's actually he's 29, I believe. That's he's right, never cost yeah. a, penal, uh, a penny in his career. Never cost a penny. He's been free transferred the, the entire way through. Just got in the France team at 29. Could be a really viable viable option, a really interesting option. Uh, fourth is a guy called Christian Trimmel, who's about 38, so probably not. So, uh, Philip Kostic is there, could be a really interesting option. He's out of contract mm. next summer as well, I believe. Heavily linked with Inter, though. So, obviously, Conte's old club. He's created the most chances in the Bundesliga this season from left wing back. Uh, Raum, uh, coincidentally, third. Uh, another really interesting name, Ivan Perisic, out of contract this summer, has just hit an incredible vein of form. Match winner in the Coppa Italia final. He's 33, but on a free transfer, having played under Conte before, could be of interest. Marcus Alonso is seventh, another player who could be of interest. Played almost every game in Conte's two years at Chelsea. Um, has 
had a bit of a falling out with Tuchel recently. Another player who's out of contract next summer. Uh, I, I actually extended the search to, cha- to the championship because I was hoping this player would appear. Jed Spence, who I think will be yeah. highly yeah. sought after uh, this summer. He's eighth. Obviously played really well against Premier League opposition already this season. Got, got our man of the match award against Arsenal in the FA Cup. Scored against Leicester in the following round. Uh, and then we have another Frenchman for Julian, Ryan Nuri, who I think has had a really sort of underrated season at Wolves. Yeah, really good prospect. And number 10 is Denzel Dumfries, who also I feel, think could be, could be an option from Inter because he's not really settled in that well there. And obviously the, the connection's there. So I was really happy with that top 10. I could just finish there. <laughs> I don't know what Julian's got to say, if he's got any any alternatives. But yeah. No, I mean... On my list, I had Kostic and, and Parisic. Parisic, especially because of the links with with Conte before, and because he's in great form, and and his future is not really sorted out. At Inter, who bought Gusens to replace mm-hmm. Parisic, really, but in the kind of form that he's on now, maybe if you're Inter, you you try to keep him somehow. Um, I thought about Sergio Dest for the right hand side, considering that Barca have to sell, and he hasn't really settled there too. He can play as a in the back four or as a wing back. I think wing back is probably the best option for him anyway, because defensively it's a bit dodgy at times. I would love to see close giving giving this kind of opportunity. I don't know if they would go for someone like him who has never played in Europe, for example, before. It's very very low in experience at the international level uh, because he's only played uh, with France a few minutes. But but yeah, I think there's a few options for them to. Um, to to go for it'd be very interesting to see how you know who they sign and, and and how hard they try to get maybe the biggest names on the list that you mentioned. Also, I think Sessegnon's doing a good job at left wing back, really coming into his own. I think a bit opposite to the opposite to Emerson Roy. I, I think he's doing really well. There, he feels like a kind of player that, that Conte will get the best out of. And in recent weeks, he's been a real threat going forward. But I couldn't really think of anyone off the, off the top of my head. But I tell you, I realised would be perfect for Spurs, but there's no chance of it happening because he's just signed a new contract and he's Villa's Player of the Year. I think Matty Cash would be good in yeah. the in the Spurs side, but thankfully, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Because as I say, signed a new contract to Villa and one Player of the Year at the awards last night. Don't think Tottenham fans are big, uh, big fans of Matty Cash at the moment either. After that uh, challenge on on Matt Doherty, but, but yeah. yeah, no. It, um, Tarek Lamptey is probably one who has Ooh, been yeah. mentioned a fair fair yeah. amount with Tottenham, so that could be an interesting one. To be honest, they'd they'd happily take both of Brighton's wing backs. Mm-hmm. Kukurea has had a great season as well, um, but yeah, Lamptey's one who's been linked. So it'd be interesting to see if if they go for him. Livermento was the other one. If he hadn't got injured, that I thought they might have taken a look at from, from South. Ironically, they'd probably take Carl Walker Peters back as well. Yeah, so many right wing backs. So many right wing backs. Just a, just an outrageous amount of talent at right wing back, especially in the Premier League, and especially English ones as well. Let's talk about Burnley a little bit then, Julian. Who's going to leave if, if they do go down? I mean, they could feasibly now lose both games and still stay up because of the lead goal difference issue. Yeah. But, you know, Tarkovsky got injured at the, at the weekend. He's going to go. I think he's been pretty he's obvious that he's going to go for a while. But yeah. Dwight McNeil's come into form a little bit over the last few weeks and he'd probably have some suitors as well. Yeah, you're right. Since Mike Jackson um, came in, they certainly play more attacking football. All the numbers are up from expected goals to chances created to shots, all of that. So clearly that means it's better for attacking players to express themselves. So I think McNeil certainly is, is reminding everyone how good he is and how good he can be in a team that actually think about playing football, which was not so much the case under Daesh. I think Maxwell Corne 
who had a bit of a deeper form uh, and a few injuries, but showed at time that he was he's already adapted to the Premier League. So if you if you need someone a player of his profile, I think he it could be good. Nick Pope, um, you know, still one of the best keepers in the league, uh, and and I think if they go down, you would not see him in the Championship, especially with the World Cup coming up. Wait, where do you think he'd go, Julian? Because I was thinking about this, and Sam Johnston is an England goalkeeper. He's going to yeah. be leaving West Brom, and I can't really see anywhere obvious where, where he goes. That, that's the only problem with goalkeepers, I guess. He could quite easily get stuck at Burnley because it, it takes one to move from somewhere else to get one in, I guess. Yeah, unless, I don't know, unless you're uh, maybe like Crystal Palace and Gaeta and yeah. you want something a bit different. But Southampton. Yeah, Southampton. Southampton, Southampton, yeah. But it, yeah, because there's not actually not many clubs club like West Ham, for example. I think we'll probably stick with Fabianski and maybe sign Areola permanently. There's Fulham going up. You know, they could either go back to Areola, who did well for them, or maybe go for someone like Pope. So, but yeah, it, it will depend a lot on what kind of clubs obviously are looking and could come for him. Martin, do you think Burnley will stay up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it does, look, it does look that way now. I think Leeds are in, in big, big trouble, especially the suspensions that they've now got. Um, not that I think Dan James is a massive loss, but Ailing is. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're in real, real trouble. Uh, and just defensively, they just look like they've sort of reverted to type uh, recently. Obviously played tough, tough opposition and had players sent off in, in recent games, but... It's a tough one now. I, th- I feel like they needed something from that Chelsea game and obviously completely up against it from, from the get-go, really. So, yeah, I think they've uh, Burnley have got a very good chance of staying up. They've, they've got, but if it, they're one of those teams that if they do go down, <laughs> I don't mean this as an insult, but they're, they're almost bad enough that they keep all their players and they have that consistency in the championship that that often allows teams to yo-yo between the divisions. Obviously, mm. you've seen that with Norwich. Yeah. And Burnley are certainly one of those clubs. They keep hold of most of their players. I think Julian's right with the players that he highlighted. Um, Tarkovsky and Pope, I think, would be the two main ones. Veghorst and Cornet, maybe. Um, and McNeil, obviously, who I think would maybe actually benefit from a season in the championship just to get his, his numbers up. More than anything, yeah. he's a very good player. Like he gets very strong ratings from us, despite the fact that he's got no end product whatsoever. He's got—I don't think he's scored. He's got one assist this season, so he needs to work on that. And a season in the championship might actually help. Sort of sometimes players just need a bit of confidence. But yeah, you're right. He's picked up his form a lot, but he really needs to work on that that end product. Let's have some score predictions for this one, then, Julian. What are you going for? I wrote two-one for Spurs. I'm not actually sure Burnley can score. And then part of me thinks that maybe Burnley can make it really difficult for Spurs and giving them a lot of the ball and and just mm. close space, nothing, not give much to Son, not give much to Kane. I still think Spurs, with the momentum of the draw against Liverpool, the win against Arsenal, especially in their own stadium, would be too good. So from 2-1, I changed to 2 nil. I had that thing in my back of my head where it felt like Spurs had some momentum recently and then they lost 1-0 at home to Brighton. So that's playing <laughs> heavy in my mind, but I've gone for 2-1 to Tottenham as well, Martin. Yeah, we're going 2-0 as well to Tottenham. To Spurs. Now, Martin, when you're not searching obscure wing-backs on the internet, you like to do your little <laughs> mini award segment. And this week, you want to talk about the young player of the season, 21 or under in the Premier League. Yeah, so we looked at it. Obviously, the award for young player of the season goes to players aged 23 or under at the start of the season. So, can easily go to a 24-year-old, which is absolutely ridiculous. So, 
we we changed the rules. Uh, 21 and under. At, we kept it to at the start of the season, so they can be 22 now from from the from the players that we were looking at. Uh, pretty solid top 10, I think we've 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 got um, in at 10 is Tyrick Mitchell. Uh, he's actually joint with um, Luke Thomas. Uh, his rating, but just gets in because he's played more games. Nine, ML Smith Rowe. Eight, Jacob Ramsey. Uh, I'd have liked him to be a bit higher, but to be in the top 10 is a real achievement for him in what is his sort of breakthrough season at Villa. Uh, Martinelli is seven. That man, eight, Nuri, who we mentioned earlier, is six. And Dwight McNeil, which is why I put this segment here, is actually fifth, despite the fact that he's that, that end product issue, which really does highlight that he's he's got the talent there, but he just, need, he just needs to add those numbers. And then the top four, I think, is pretty clear. It's just a case of what order you put them in. Uh, so we've got Bukayo Saka in four. Connor Gallagher in three, who would have been higher, but has tailed off, but is still just a really great player to watch. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him over the summer. And then the top two, I think it's really tight. I would probably have it the other way around based on my opinion, but obviously I'm not allowed an opinion. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, the, you're, the, you're the number. I'm the stats man. So yeah, uh, we have Reese James in second and Phil Foden in first. Julian, who are you going to give it to? Not based on stats at all. Uh, yeah, so I, I I love those awards. I have to say, not many people like Ballon d'Or. So I love I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but the young player can't be someone who's already played hundred games in the Premier League or something like that. So, yeah, my pick, uh, and I'm not saying that because of you too. Although I want to come back yeah, on the show. Here we uh, go. Is Jacob Ramsey. I here think. we go. Oh, we love it, love it, Julian. I take out all the Reese Jameses and Bukayo Saka's who are not. They can't win the Young Player of the Year because they almost could win the normal player of the year and they've been in so long that despite the age it doesn't really count so for someone who's had a breakthrough season that's what i looked mm-hmm. at and uh, there were other contenders like michael olise for example at palace and that kind of stuff but ramsey has been by far the best uh so impressed with him especially under gerard in in basically everything that he does he can do everything and those midfielders are very much the modern midfielders and i think they're a very rare breed right now but when you are so good on the ball also so strong physically that can run forever with a high football iq i think you've got it all and i i i, I see a, an amazing future for him at villa or very soon at phg you know and clubs <laughs> PSG wouldn't make a smart sign like that, Julian. <laughs> Unless I was a sporting director, which I'm not. Unless you were, yeah. I mean, I was going to go for Saka, but Julian, I'm quite happy to, to bow down to your superior knowledge and, and go with Jack. Yeah, so am I. We'll, we'll give it I to mean, Ramsey. We'll change six goals. Yes. So I think the best thing about Ramsey this season is probably at the start of the season would have been completely unexpected, Martin. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, like his composure as well. And and yeah. Julian's right to point out his intelligence. So the, the goals that he's scored have all been great goals, like ice in his veins in front of goal. Right foot, uh, left foot as well. Yeah. A bit like De Bruyne, yeah. his, re- his weak foot's actually really strong. Yeah, that drive that he's got with the ball to run past players under pressure. Yeah, he's a really exciting player. He's a, sounds a bit uh, sort of counterintuitive, but I do think he, he maybe should have been rotated in and out a little bit more personally. Um, obviously has played really, really well uh, for much of the time, but has looked a bit tired in certain games and uh, maybe could have been rotated in and out. But certainly is one for the, like to build the future around at Villa. He's just, he's just got the the application that you can tell. And Gerard yeah, absolutely tight. loves him. And who are you going to trust <laughs> on a young midfielder in the Premier League? So, yeah. yeah. 
the way he carries the ball as well, the way he runs yeah. the ball, close control, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, exciting. He's gonna he's gonna get better as well. So next season you'd expect to see even more from Jacob Ramsey. So yeah, well done to him. He gets the award. Nice to see a Villa player get the award, isn't it, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Martin, talk us through the young team of the season then, please. Yeah, so we've obviously touched on a lot of them in the in the top ten. Uh, the goalkeeper is actually by default Ian Ian Millier. Uh, of Leeds, if you did extend it to maybe t- 23 and 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 under at the start of the season, which I think is probably fair for a goalkeeper, then it would be would be Ramsdale. But yeah, Melier in goal, Reese James the right back, obviously the two centre backs, also Chelsea products, Mark Gurhey uh, at Palace and uh, Trevor Shalaba, who we've talked about. Interesting to see how much time he gets next season. Uh, Nuri is the left back, as we mentioned. The, the midfield duo is Gallagher and Ramsey, which I love. Uh, and then the three behind Phil Foden is Saka, Smithrow and McNeil. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, Martin. Next up for us is the Paolo one-chop derby. It's West Ham against Manchester City. Julian, if West Ham finish seventh, is that enough to keep hold of their best players? I mean, there's, there's teams like Newcastle and Villa who are looking to push on next season. Mm. It feels like a little bit of a wasted opportunity for for West Ham this season because they I feel like they should have probably finished higher but they got distracted by the Europa League which is which is fair enough but at one point it felt like nobody wanted to get top four so it yeah. feels like to not get top six even yeah I'd be, little, I'd be a little bit disappointed in a weird way if I was a West Ham fan you're right and especially without the the European Cup final that they were clearly aiming for too yeah so it's not even if they could have okay okay we we just narrowly missed it again in in the Premier League because last season they were also very close to the top four and you know still had still had a very good finish but at least if they had that final it would be like but we have the final to look forward to and to playing they don't they don't have that so it's still a very very good season considering uh the the very small squad that they had I still cannot believe they didn't strengthen in January but despite that, it's still a very, very good season. I think they could have finished fourth, fifth, first. I think Declan Rice was always going to leave anyway. I mean, he has to leave. He might end up staying because of the money they're asking for him, everything. But he, he's far too good for them now and he needs he needs a, a top, top club. For the rest, I think even seven, you can keep Bowen for another at least six months because I think compared to Rice... He probably still needs another great season like the one that he's doing now yeah. to to validate in a way the new status that he has. And then he can go to a top, top club because I think he's good enough. But maybe we just need to see a little bit more of that. Um, and, and then I guess the core of that team, Suchek, Antonio, um, you know, even players like Fornals, <laughs> defenders, Zuma, I think all of that will stay. Fabianski probably as well. So... It's really Rice's future and then Bowen's future that I think is slightly different where, wherever they finish, really. If they could keep Rice, Martin, mm. perhaps get Lingard back on a free, and I really think they need to sign a striker, That would I would say they, they would still have a decent chance of progressing next season. Yeah, I feel, they're four. A lot of it's there. I'll, I'll as, yeah, you. no, you know. <laughs> but... Um, they formed this season, and you're right. It, it has sort of coincided with the with the European push. But they formed this season, uh, sort of in the last like, stretching back a few months now, three or four months, hasn't been great. It's been more sort of mid-table form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like maybe there there's a, there's signs of regression a little bit. Uh, I think they would, Julian's right in terms of the, the size of the squad. There was always going to be a ceiling for this team. 
And like you say, I think this was the season where nobody really wanted that fourth spot. This was the season for them uh, to to go for it because yeah, there, there are teams that are, are coming up and are going to spend bigger than than West Ham will um, in the summer. So it all revolves around Declan Rice, though, doesn't it? Like we can't pretend otherwise. He's I, I'm astonished at how how quickly he he's developed this season in particular. I think he's been sensational um there's just no weakness to his game now uh, like even driving with the ball uh, he just reads it so so well and he's still so young so yeah he he's destined for the top and it should really be now um but yeah julian's right they they may well price him out of out of a move but if they finish seventh do they really have the power to do that mm, i'm not sure if they finish in the europa league which they still can do that's yeah Let's not sort of write them off catching Manchester United because I think I'd almost write, uh, I'd almost suggest Norwich could catch Man United if they had enough games at the moment. But um, yeah, if they finish seventh, I think it's a big ask, and that is a complete game changer for them yeah. for years. I think. I mean, talking of excellent midfielders, that Kevin De Bruyne is not bad, Julian. Decent player <laughs> there. I think I think he might have a future in the game as well. Yeah. If awards were voted for at the end of the season, as I think most of us think that they should be. Would he now have got to the level where he would be voted as player of the season? It's a really good it's a really good debate. I remember when when Salah won the um the the, the football writers one and with Marcotti on our ESPN show, Marcotti was like, Well, like what we're saying, we should wait, you know. And I said, like, what? What you expect the Brian to score four goals now every single game until the end of the season <laughs> to like and then beam, he goes and does it. So I'm like, Yeah, fair enough. There's a case for KDB now, especially if City um, win the win the Premier League, which looks more and more likely, to be honest. And especially if he keeps that form uh, for now and even the next two games, even if it's just half of the performance that he had against Wolves, if it's just the one goal or the two goals or the couple of assists, it will still finish so strongly that you think that was a really close one. I really wanted to get him in my fantasy football team and I just I'd bottled putting him in for Salah and captain. then one of my oh, one of my mates in my oh, league triple no captained him. Yeah, I had triple the same. Captain. Ninety oh, points. Man. Ninety points. You wouldn't get this with Jonathan on the show. No, we're not allowed to talk about fantasy football. <laughs> oh, that's a shame because yeah, it you know it's it, Yeah, it, I, I captained him, so I was I was laughing. Oh, yeah. Bow down to you. I wanted him in, I bottled it. I'd get Salah fair of taking Salah out and him doing something yeah. ridiculous, but obviously he didn't do anything to I knew he wouldn't start, didn't start against Villa. I knew he wouldn't start the Villa game. Yeah, I was I was sort of playing mind games with the with the with my mates in my league, just saying they've all got him captain. He's not going to start. He's not going to start. And then oh, told you so. It was, it was a nice yeah. it was a nice moment for me. But yeah, on on De Bruyne, he is now top of our, our of our player ratings this season. Uh, I think he's for the first time since September that Mo Salah has lost his place at the top of the top of the pile. And on Salah, like you say, if you leave it that little bit longer, he's actually he's now failed to score. In 15 of his last 17 games for Liverpool, which is remarkable, he's only scored in two of his last 17. That's mad. De Bruyne's cool. form over the same time, obviously, has been has been outstanding. So the top the top five for us, I think, is I think it's spot on personally, but I'm slightly biased. Jao uh, uh, Cancelo is fifth. Son is up to fourth. Uh, Trent is third. Salah second and and De Bruyne first. I think that's whether you agree with that order. I think. As a top five, I think that's 
I'm happy with that. Kane is not there because the start was so difficult. Yeah. Uh, other players have had injuries, you know, and, and I think those five have been the outstanding five best players in the league. Like that. I mean, KDB could have easily had two hat-tricks on, on Wednesday night. Quite comfortably had two hat-tricks. I mean, absolutely unheard of. What what a phenomenal player. So, so unique. Just, just such a good player, De Bruyne. Love watching him. Let's have our predictions then for this one. I'll go first so it doesn't look like I'm cheating. I'm going to go West Ham. I'm going to go West Ham 1, Manchester City 2. Martin? Uh, exactly the same, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Julian? So I'm going to the game and I have to be there at 9 a.m. despite the Ooh. 2 o'clock kickoff because we have to do some filming and it has to be at that time. And I'm like, really? Um, so I hope I'm, I'm, you know, I hope I'm going for a good game because I'm going to be waiting six hours before uh, off. <laughs> which I'm not too pleased about. Uh, I say 3-1 to City. 3-1 to City. I'm sure you'll find a goalkeeper to talk to before you love talking to goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah. That'll be oh, a goalkeeper for you to talk to. To tweet you and follow you and follow all the tweets yeah, that, get you, all that you've written for the last year or two, you know. so Get fine. all that business done. I'll have some high-quality tweets in there, Julian. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Let's. Um, we've got Sunday 2pm treble, haven't we, Marty? We do, yeah. So this is a yeah. So there's, I think there's five games at two p.m. this Sunday. Obviously, the the weekend sort of pushed back with the FA Cup final on Saturday. Uh, but the three games that we we've, we've looked at, and we've we've looked at the same market for every game again. Um, so it's each of these teams to score two or more goals. So we've got Villa to score two plus against Palace. They've done that in their last four meetings against Palace. They're at home in that game. Brighton to score two plus against Leeds. They've actually scored as many goals in their last six league games as the previous 14. They've got 12, obviously, in really, really good form. Leeds, not so much. Uh, they've now conceded three or more goals in over a third of their games this season, Leeds. So they do tend to go to pot when they concede. And Leicester to score two or more against Watford. Watford have conceded more goals at home than any team in the league at an average of 2.3 per game. So that is Villa, Brighton. And Leicester, all to score two plus goals against Palace, Leeds and Watford, respectively. And that has been boosted to an industry best price of nine to one by Betvictor. So. Uh, have we had any success recently, Martin? Well, we came very close last night. It's a, it's a good talking point, actually, where we discussed uh, the bookings. Romero is going to get carded. Obviously, yeah. you, said, you said Shaka is going to get carded. We play a little game called Bookings Bingo sometimes, Julian, where we pick out three players to be carded in a game. So Romero and Xhaka were nailed on. Uh, and the other player we picked was Ben Davies, who got booked really early on. Xhaka yeah. got booked right at the end of the game. Romero didn't play. Oh, Definitely would have come in. That was 18 to 1. Would have come in. That was a guaranteed yeah. nailed on. So, yeah, very close. But we'll, we'll go one better this weekend, I'm sure. I just can't catch a break, can we? Just can't catch a break at all. We've been so unlucky <laughs> so many times this season. So yeah. many times. <laughs> But you know, on Tuesday night, the Villa Liverpool game, and I, my predictions were one-one, and we were doing that live show in in Birmingham when during the game. Oh, when yeah. it was one-one, I was thinking of you guys, thinking like, you mm -hmm. see, I said it, and then yeah. Well, I went on Sky Sports News in the morning on Tuesday. Did the, they did their morning show, and I said it would be two-one to Liverpool with Villa scoring first. You said that on the pod. You said that on this pod as well. Said, yeah, you said Villa would score first. Yeah, you get nothing for predictions, though. We've got to click these bits up where you're right know, once every ten weeks. Well, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right then, let's look at Newcastle against Arsenal. Martin, I'm going to come to you for this because it's your script. Yes. Manager of the season. How yeah. are Arteta candidates? Do you think they're candidates? Do you not, can't do give you a manager of the season to someone that came in in December. 
for the turnaround. Like, no. I get what you're saying. Well, he came in at the start of November, so sorry, let's, I apologize. Let's get yeah. it right. Uh, and just just for the turnaround, obviously Newcastle were were. I don't know. I can't remember if they were in the relegation places, but certainly on the yes, on they the, were. On the, they were, they were. Yeah. very much were. Okay, there yeah. we go. So yeah, the t- the turnaround certainly, obviously, since the, since the turn of the year. I think if if the league started in twenty twenty two, I think they'd be sixth or seventh. And when you consider the business that they did in January, with the exception of Bruno Guimaraes, was relatively low key. I'd say measured. For, I would describe measured. It as yeah, yeah, considered, yeah. which maybe people didn't expect. No. Uh, he's done a he's done a remarkable job, I think, and and yeah, they just they're just competing in 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 most games now, and they've they've got some improvements to make over the summer, which I'm certain they'll they'll do. But yeah, we looked at it. I didn't know how to because because I've got my stats hat on. How are we how are we going to come up with a table of manager of the season contenders? So what I did was I looked at the rate uh, the uh, increase in points per game from the previous season. So for for managers that came in. Midway through the season, I did their points per game, not the not over the entire point uh, season. And Eddie Howe is second. You did some niche stuff this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I've got I've had some time on my hands. Yeah, you're on your uh, own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Eddie Howe's second. He's increased Newcastle's points per game by 0.34. Klopp is actually first from last season. Obviously, he had a tough season mm-hmm. uh, last season. Conte had, after last night's result. Lep, uh, leapfrogged Arteta, who I think is a uh, is a viable candidate, just based on based on the sort of like I've mentioned many times, the personnel that's been at his disposal. Yeah. I think last night's result, obviously the the red card had a massive impact, but they were always due one of those with the, with the sort of team that they've been been fielding lately and been forced to field. So yeah, uh, Arteta is fourth, Graham Potter's fifth, and Pep Guardiola's down in sixth, but obviously won the league last season, so that that scale is is uh, a little bit different. Bruno Larger, who who um, Julian mentioned last week, has had a very good season. Seventh, Tuchel eighth, and Vieira ninth. I think those are the sort of nine. It's a big big list, but the nine the nine managers that have improved the team's points per game record from the previous season. So I, I certainly think Howe and and Arteta would be in the mix. It it will probably go to Guardiola, and you can understand why. Uh, Klopp as well would be a contender, but obviously where they're going to fall short, that would be strange to give it to the team that finished second. Uh, almost more strange thing to give it to someone like Newcastle or Arsenal, who've clearly punched above their weight. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they've both done phenomenal jobs in in different ways. So I think they definitely deserve a mention, even if they're unlikely to sort of come into it. I always find it a real hard award to try and give in your head, manager of the season, because you could say it's Pep, Man City winning the league, but it's hardly like a surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there has to be some consideration of expectations of the club yeah. in question. Thomas Frank not deserve to, to be in there? I mean, yeah, that's a, comfortably well, stayed up. Yeah, yeah, Frank would, would come into the tail, I'm sure, but we couldn't obviously do points per game increase nah. from last season because they smashed it in the Championship last season, so they're going to have a lower points per game this season. But I yeah, Frank, Frank would... Uh, I think that's who shout. I'd be tempted to give it to, Thomas Frank, probably. J- Julian, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Frank and and Howe and Arteta have done an amazing job again. Arteta, we've said it before, but if he finishes top four with yeah. Cedric and Nuno Tavares and you know El Nene and then Ketia, I mean, like, come on. Uh, for Eddie Howe, I think you're sort of the first team to step after not winning any of the first fourteen league games or something like that, mm-hmm. which is an incredible turnaround. And for all the people who said, "Oh, Steve Bruce, you know, was still great," well, no, he's not a great coach. I know, <laughs> I know, he's managed. He's, he's not. Bad. 
He's well, don't, don't worry about that. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> he managed a county team uh, even in the Midlands. But yeah, I mean, we saw the difference. And even the way they play, because he could have, uh, Eddie Howe could have kept them in the Samuel Dice kind of style of like, let's not concede and score in a few corners. But the way they've played, what he did with Joel Linton, for example, which is quite crazy when you think yeah, that, yeah. that was pretty useful. Best, best tactical decision of the season. I Completely. Think that That's incredible. the best move. Uh, and... And for Thomas Frank, the way they've adapted, even when they were struggling, the way he put them back, I think the signing of Christian Eriksen, which I think Frank was a big part of, helped them massively. But still, an amazing achievement to keep Brentford up in that first season ever in the Premier League. So, yeah, one of the three would, would do nicely, I think. Julian, what would Newcastle need to add to push for Europe next season? Off the top of my head, goalkeeper, left yeah, back, great. central midfielder, striker. Yeah. That's yeah. at least four, I would say. Four easily. And then, and then, you know, quality, quantity in your squad as well, because mm. you can only join the big boys if you have competition for places and, and not just a strong 11. And then after that, it's a bit like mm, what Arsenal have right now, pretty much. Yeah. You need, you need more depth, especially for the longer term to establish yourself and every season for the top six, which you can't do in one transfer window. So I think it will take a bit more time. But yeah, you need to go for as much talent and I think they will do what they did in January which is try a million player maybe you're done even they call, they're going to call your agent to say you know Jason can you play? yeah you know you never know uh, and then see see the ones that actually uh, you know respond in a positive way like you know Gimoresh which I really believe they never thought they could get and somehow because Leon opened the door and Bruno opened the door then then he's he has to be one of the players or one of the signings of the season even if he came just in January so, yeah, so I think it, it should be a busy summer. And then let's see if they get them as right as they did in January, because that's the other thing. Even if they were a bit underwhelming signings for some of them, they were spot on, to be fair. Trippier, mm. Burn, Target, who you know well, Guimaraes, of course. Um, so there's not much margin for error when you're a club like them with so much money and try to, to catch up with the bigger boys. So they will have to, to think carefully and pick the right players. Do you think that can possibly be as measured again in the summer, Martin? Um, well, the early signs are encouraging, aren't they? So I think so. Um, there'll be more temptation to go to go big, I think, this summer. Uh, it I is guess because they, were, gen- they were genuinely in trouble, weren't they? So, yeah. you know, they couldn't probably attract a certain type of player because That's they would have been worried that they'd be playing the championship exactly. in six yeah. months. So time. they've got a bit more freedom this time. And, yeah. and January transfers are, are just that little bit more risky. You're usually overpriced um, just because they're mid-season. So it will be interesting. There are, there are five players in the sort of top-rated team under Howe that have a markedly lower rating than the rest. And that is, you highlighted them basically, is Dubravka in goal, Fabian Cher, I think they need another centre-back. Target isn't one of them, like if they sign Target, I think he'd be a good signing, maybe not one to push them onto Europe, but has played well. Uh, Shelby, Fraser and Wood. So a right-winger, striker, obviously they're linked with um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin recently. Feel like that might be a bit of a risk, just given his injuries mm. this season, um, and he has struggled when he's played. Um, but you can see the appeal; he's, he's got a very record, a good record against Newcastle as well. So they know they know what he's capable of. But yeah, the, the centre back, centre basically a spine. <laughs> need yeah. a goalie, need a centre back, need a centre midfielder, probably need a striker. Yeah. So yeah, if you add those with the players that they've got around it, because I think that Joelinton and Guimaraes, sort of Brazilian duo, either side of a 
obviously Shelby has his moments, but it's not a player you can rely on in 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 every possible sense, really. Um, so yeah, that position I think is particularly crucial. Mm-hmm. Be interesting, interesting summer ahead for Newcastle, and probably an interesting summer ahead for Arsenal as well. Jesus has been heavily linked with him, Julian. I think I've seen Sterling linked with them a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. Jesus feels like someone that would would do well for Arsenal. I actually think he's a much better footballer than he gets credit for because he plays with such good footballers at Manchester City. Yeah. He probably goes unnoticed. How good a player he's technically. Yeah, you're right, uh, and also the versatility because he can play wide. He can play as a as a lone striker, as a second striker. I where I'm a bit skeptical is I don't think he guarantees you 25 goals a season, for example. But maybe that's not why you buy him. Maybe you mm-hmm. buy him to, you know, you will still sign a top top striker that will hopefully score you 25 30 goals a season. And then if you have Gabriel Jesus as a as another option as a backup, where well, call it whatever you want, or can play wide as well, uh, and and have that option as a starter from the bench, I think he's great, especially if you can get him for decent money because he obviously has only one year left on his contract. So if you can get it for 25, maybe 30 million, I think this is a bargain for a player like him who's such a good kid, who's still young, who clearly has a lot of ability in terms of pressing and counter-pressing, which I think is what appeals a lot as well to Arteta. Um, I think the talks are, are going quite well between his agent and the club. Uh, again, I don't think he should be your number one option up front, so it still depends who else you're going to get. Uh, but but yeah, for a good price, Gabriel Jesus in your squad is a is a very 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 added value. Probably got to leave Manchester City now, hasn't he, Martin, with Holland coming in? Yeah, and the reason I like it, I like the link personally. I need to be careful what I say here with Julian on the pod. Uh, when when Lacazette came into the side uh, earlier in the season. They really benefited from his work rate and his intelligent link-up play. And the, and the young players around him really sort of thrived when he came into the team. The issue you have, you have with Lacazette, obviously, in the sort of more recent seasons, is his strike rate is, is poor. But his work rate is, is superb. And he is, a, he is a sort of menace. And if I was to pick out a player who's a younger, better version of Lacazette, Jesus would be would be up there just in terms of that work rate really good pressing uh his numbers even even sort of the sim- similarities in the sort of strike rate which could be better but both of them have got good assist numbers this season Lacazette's got seven Jesus has eight he's actually got the most assists for Man City in the Premier League this season ahead of De Bruyne Jesus uh, eight goals as well which isn't awful and he's also got a really really underrated record in the Champions League and if Arsenal were in the Champions League next season, since he made his, his Champions League debut, only three players have a better goals uh, minutes per goal rate than Jesus. And that's Haaland, Lewandowski and Karina Dream. Amazing. So, <laughs> so Julian, uh, so um, sorry, Jesus is fourth ahead of the likes of Messi, Ronaldo and Mbappe. So his strike rate in Europe is much better than it is in the Premier League. So there'll be that to consider as well. So I, I really like it as a, as a link. Even his tenacity, even they both commit a lot of fouls as well, just because mm. they've got that sort of tenacity about them. So I think they're really similar players. So if they are looking at that blueprint and they saw and um, Arteta saw Lacazette and the impact that he had when he came into the side, I think Jesus is a really sort of comparable upgrade. Let's do our predictions then. I've got a bad feeling for Arsenal. I think they might trip up again. I'm going to go Newcastle 1, Arsenal 1. Julian? One nil Arsenal. Uh, I will go. We, we're saying two one Arsenal. 
2-1 to Arsenal. Good game that'll be, actually. Looking yeah. forward to that one. Newcastle will play. The last game at St. James's Park, you know, this, mm-hmm. you don't you don't play defensive or cautious. No. You go for it, which I think could play in Arsenal's hands. Right? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting point. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Let's finish the show then with our pick six predictions, Martin. How did we go? Not bad. Well, we had a good start and then we tailed yeah, off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we got the first three right and then the, the second three uh, wrong. But We're going to do better this week. Yeah, yeah, three out of six. It's a solid start, but something to build on. So the, so the game, I'll just, I'll just go through the format again. Obviously, you get six games. There's a different market for each game that you have to pick out an outcome for. Uh, there's a chance to win £1,000 for the, for the winner. Uh, if you get all six, or even if you get five and nobody else gets six, uh, based on the point system. Obviously, you need a bet victor account to enter, so you have to be 18 or over. So the six games this week will start with Aston Villa against Palace, uh, and it's match result, so home, draw, or away. It's pretty Go obvious what we're going to do here, isn't it? Pretty yeah, obvious. Come on. Come on. Lovely stuff. What a start. Leeds against all Brighton. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The one game that we all agreed on last week was the first one that went wrong. <laughs> we said Everton to win. <laughs> yeah. That was the one game we agreed on. Uh, so Leeds-Brighton is the second game. The market is over or under 2.5 goals. I would say over. Yeah, I agree. I'll go with you, Ty. I would have said under, but I'll go with you. Uh, Watford against Leicester. Match result, home draw or away. I actually think that's a tougher one to call than you would think. Mm, I would oh, say man. Leicester. We have got yeah. them to score two goals in our treble. So it's what for the trip to us? What for the trip to us earlier on in the week? Yeah. 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 Go on then, go Leicester. West Ham Man City, total goals. So zero to one, two to three, four to six, seven plus. We've two got three, three as our say. prediction. Yeah, two, yeah, two, two, two to, to six. Four to six, you say, or two to oh, three? No, sorry. Two to three, sorry. Is that, yeah. Two to three, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're agreeing too much this time. Last time there was this chaos. A zero for six incoming here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wolves, Norwich, both teams to score. I'm saying no. 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 Here we go. Look at this. This is going to land 100%. Uh, and Everton, to, uh, Everton against Brentford, match result. Home, draw, away. Draw, I would say. Draw. Mm. I just I don't, don't think draw. I don't think, I mean, I say that, but they were draws in midweek, but I always think end of the season is like a pre-season tournament. You yeah. know, there's no draws because you, no one cares, well, apart from if you have something to play for. So, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe draw. Maybe draw this time. I don't know. Martin Lee. Also, oh, I'm going to throw a cat among the pigeons and say Everton. So, you, okay. what, what, does that I'm happy to vote? I'm happy to do that. that. Yeah, Everton to win, I'm happy with that too. Yeah. Okay, great. So we've got Villa to win, over 2.5 goals in Leeds, Brighton, Leicester to win, two to three goals in West Ham, Man City, both teams to score no in Wolves, Norwich, and an Everton win against Brentford. That, those are our predictions this week. That is solid. That is very solid, I feel. Very yeah. solid. Yeah. I like this game, Bet Victor. Keep that up. Keep up the good work, Bet Victor. I really, <laughs> really, really enjoy this game. That does us for this week's podcast. Thanks ever so much for tuning in, and thanks to Martin and Julian for joining me. We'll be back at some point next week. Absolutely no clue what's going on. Friday, it'll be Friday. There's a Friday few games again. on Thursday. Thursday night. Yeah, I'm a Villa Park mm-hmm. Thursday night, and we'll be back then on Friday morning to look back on Thursday and look ahead to the weekend as normal. Enjoy all the football that's done at the weekend. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, then make sure you're doing that, please. And yes, yeah, stay safe. We'll